0: Bruin source this is ed this is Kevin we are back after a sweep of the Arizona schools at home uh, there was some a lot of good in that last week obviously whenever you get to sweep the Arizona schools especially Arizona um, it is a good good week there was also some uh some bad there Kevin um and we'll we'll get to that in a, in a little bit but Let's, let's start with, with Arizona State. This was a game that I feel like we never were in danger of losing. It, it felt like we, you know, went down early to a lot of wild shots that Arizona State took and made. And then after a few minutes of that, Jaime Jaquez took over the game Our defense took over the game, and Arizona State's overall undisciplined uh, style of play uh, eventually doomed them. What what did you think of this game?
1: I think you summed it up pretty good. Uh, Both the games, terrible starts again, and and that's kind of just been par for the course for this team. I mean, I wish it wouldn't be that we wouldn't have to fall down, you know, what did Arizona State start? 12-2, I think it was. Um, and Arizona started 21-12, to um, and I think it was like 15-4 to at one point. So these slow starts seemed to be a little par for the course, at least for our shooting. And like you said, Arizona State, they played it kind of like a street ball game. Um, a lot of tough shots. They all went in early. They stopped going in afterwards. And that kind of loosey Goosey style with Arizona State again. That's that's why they're so high variance. They play good defense overall, but they take that kind of shot, and that's what they live or die on. And that's why they're on the tournament bubble right now, instead of being comfortably inside the inside the field. Um, for UCLA, you know, I, th- the game was pretty much about our two stars continuing to peak um, and and building on their peak, and and that that's good to see right now, especially with. What's happened to Jalen Clark in the second game, which we'll talk about. But you know, Jaime Haka 26 points, Tiger 18 points. I thought that was that was really good. Couple things, if I had to pick on anything uh, in this game, when it, after about five to six minutes of that second half, it was pretty clear that we were going to win the game going away. And in this kind of a game, to only get Dylan Andrews and Will McClendon nine and six minutes respectively. No man can know the future about what was coming in the next game. But but this is the kind of stuff that I hope, um, you know, I I think they're ready for it, but I hope that 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 doesn't come to bite us later, that we could have used these minutes to get them a little bit more ready or a little bit more in rhythm um, on both sides. Uh, So that, I think, wasn't so great. And then Amari Bailey, man, that was rough to watch against Arizona State. That was was really rough to watch. Um, Clank after
0: clank after clank, man.
1: Yeah, it felt like the rim was going to fall off uh, with, with the sound that the clank was making. He did rebound really well. Um, both our freshmen rebounded really well. Dem Bona was a beast out there uh, rebounding. Eleven rebounds, two blocks was on the stat sheet. It felt like it was more than that. Um, but Amari Bailey, man, that if if there was ever a slump, that game was was one of them. Um, that 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 was that was regression. But hey, it was one game. Uh, did rebound well. And we moved on.
0: Yeah, look, any game that you win by 18 points against a desperate team fighting for postseason's uh, eligibility, essentially, is a good good sign. I mean, look, we can nitpick certain things like we you, you mentioned, getting, getting game time for some bench guys, etc., um, etc. Et but overall, I, I'm not going to be unhappy with the result here. It was a good game.
1: Um, it was yeah, a good game. Look, the defense and,
0: locked it, them up, and Jaime Jopkes continued playing national player of the year level basketball. That's all we wanted to see there, and that's what we got.
1: Yeah, what's interesting about both the games here is our shooting percentage wasn't very high. It was around about 41%, 42%. But in both games, our attempts were, were much higher um so that's why like we got to 79 and 82 points which are higher highest point tallies of the year um we had a lot more overall shot attempts i think some of that's offensive rebounding um which against asu we did that well um and against arizona others i think there's just uh maybe a trend that started this weekend of we just got to get more shots up and get more possessions going in the game and that will benefit us uh, overall since we do create turnovers we're not a high turnover team even if more possessions means we're going to turn it, like the number of turnovers are going to be higher, um, we will also turn them over more. And uh, so, so that 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 also, I think, was a an interesting sign, um, probably a good one. And we got to the foul line of this game too, which was, again, another trend, which is very welcome to see.
0: Very welcome to see. And something that I think we saw continue in Arizona when we talk about that game I also want to point out in this uh, ASU game, I think we kind of saw David Sinkleton get going again. Uh, and that continued on again in the Arizona game. So just want to call that out. And then Mac Etienne uh, continuing to play strong minutes in limited time. And um, when we when we do get to the Arizona game, again, I, that's another trend line that I think that continues on into that game and, and hopefully into uh, further into March. So... A lot of things that I feel like started at Arizona State and translated well into Arizona. So, as we kind of talk about that game, obviously that game was set up to be a humongous matchup. I mean, you have obviously the rivalry at play here, and we talked about this last week too. We have CO seating implications at play here, you have pride at play you have all these different things that you know our team wanted to, to accomplish by beating Arizona, and Arizona really needed to beat us to try to keep um, in that conversation of a one-to-two uh, type seed, staying in the West, all that kind of thing, uh, as well as the storyline of National, or, sorry, Pac 12 Player of the Year implications as well between Jaime Jaquez, obviously, and Tubelas. Uh And... You know, this, again, you mentioned earlier, another slow start, but we chipped away, we locked up defensively a little bit more, uh, and I mean, we essentially, from the last few minutes of the first half into the second half, ultimately beat them down pretty good, I would say.
1: Yeah, that, that start was really rough, um. But but after that start, I think again it was fifteen to four. I think it was twenty one to twelve, and then we chipped away, took a halftime lead, and that run from after that start into halftime was a pretty dominant run because we were down by a lot and then chipped away to, to take a lead, and then even the way that Arizona was able to stay in the game at that point was pretty much threw a, some, a few desperation shots. I thought, I thought Killian Boswell hit some some really big-time shots and big-time moments for them to where if he didn't hit those, then the game really was, was going to get away from him. And second half, that continued on. And then, of course, the most unfortunate thing of the season happens, which is you know Jalen Clark, off of a steal, goes up, and uh, we still don't know what official word is on it, but it looks like he's going to be missing some time, possibly the entire season. It was and, the most
0: Jalen Clark play of all time, too off like
1: just creating a creating a cheap basket right that's that's picks the, the, the main thing picks the pocket creates a cheap basket and on the way I, I don't know if it was like off the steel when he kicked the player or when he was like just coming down I don't know where when the injury happened I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll eventually learn more on that but you know even after that you know the interesting about this thing about this game is Jalen Clark only played 15 minutes overall and That's also because even in the first half, he picked up two fouls. So, you know, making Cornyn's rule, right? If you got two fouls, you ain't playing. And there was that weird double technical foul that was away from the ball that he and Tubellis got, and then he picked up another one, and then he kind of had to sit after that. So, Jalen Clark was actually not on the floor a whole lot in this game. And despite that, uh, we, we held up pretty good. I think a lot of things... Uh, we did a lot of things well to compensate for him not being there and, and we'll talk about what those are, but I think those are the kind of things we'll have to start doing going forward to recreate for him in the in, in the aggregate. But but overall this was gonna be a game where we needed our best players to step up and, and Jaime Hawkes, Tiger Campbell, Dave, Singleton, all um, you know, twenty two, twenty one, and seventeen respectively. That's the kind of effort that, that wins you big games. Uh, and, and they all stepped up, hit hit big time shots.
0: Especially Matt- that, that first half, especially, I think, I want to give a lot of credit to Tiger Campbell and David Singleton. When Jaime Jaquez was started off a little slow in that half, those two guys really picked up the slack. I mean, Singleton really kept us in the game for that first half. I mean, he was on fire. He was hitting. Um, so he hit some big threes in that half. And, and Tiger was able to get to the line pretty consistently in this game, uh, and so give those guys credit and then, you know, we can talk about second half. But Jaime Hawkins really took over then. I mean, he he kinda came to life there and and put up again twenty uh twenty two and ten. So he, he had another double double with a few assists thrown in there and, and you know had a very, very Jaime Hawkins game. Um good good to see those guys keep keep kinda uh stepping up when we need them to though. And that's those are the the senior leaders. It was senior night, like you couldn't have written a better script for these guys at this point, right? You have, um, your three, the three kind of mainstays at this point for the program since McCronin's taken over, really step up, you know, show up, show out, um, you, you know, you're proud to see that. We even had Russell Stone get on the um, board in terms of a uh, stat. He he got a rebound in the in the first couple of minutes when he started the game as a senior, so that was kind of fun to see, but, um... You know, it was perfect to see the seniors step up.
1: Yeah, the whole thing about starting to all the seniors, like when it first came out, I, I didn't know how to feel about it. Uh, you know, it was such, such a big game, and you know, could a couple minutes there really hurt us later on, later on? And we did end up starting the game really slowly, but but I think back on it, and it, I mean, the, this it's program the right is built. It's, it's the right thing to do. This program is built on culture, right and Mix talked a lot about how this group was loyal to him, and he was loyal to them, and that's what you saw come out to start the game. And it was it was the right thing to do. Good to see it. I mean, it, it, a good message for for all the players out there that you know if you stick stick this out and you stay around, um, you know, good things will happen to you. And 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 we saw that.
0: The other guys I do want to point out in this game um, that I that really impressed me for. Long stretches were Will McClendon and Mac Etienne. So, I I've been calling I've been calling the uh, two when they they both were in the Mac attack. You know, we got Willie Mac and Big Mac in there, and I, I want to see more of the double Mac lineup. They looked actually very good defensively, and Mac Etienne. Was gobbling up big boards there, man. Like that was really, really good to see against a team like Arizona.
1: Big boards, and then I think the big thing for Mac was that his his hedge and recovery was far better in this game than it was in any other game. And that's such a crucial thing to do against Arizona because so he much of their global. offense. He looked Yeah, global. I mean, I mean, so much of their offense is off off of a high screen and then motion off the back of it, and you have to. Really fast in all your movement. You got to be back at the right spot at the right time. And for the most part, he he was doing that. And that, that was really, really great to see against that kind of an opponent. It'll be interesting to see after Ken Nuba does kind of fully return to health, if, if he is back uh, to, to full speed. How does Mick divide the, the minutes between him and Mac Etienne? Um, Behind because we you have. Know. So you, you want to talk about the, the one gripe i got about this game was a dem bono when he's in there man uh that that five minute stretch or so or a four minute stretch of the second half i mean he just he, it felt like he took over the game on both ends he got that three-point play came back the other side stuffed courtney ramey in the face and and threw the ball out of brown out of bounds came back on the other end grabbed some big rebounds then came back got another block his impact when he was in the game was just so much and he played 12 minutes because he was in foul trouble once again so you know you can't depend on a dembona to be in the game against this kind of a team with those kind of bigs i get it at the same time you'd like to see more than 12 minutes
0: well Uh, here's the thing though now that we have a legitimate three man it feels like at least a three man big man rotation if you have serviceable minutes now coming from mac and you know we've seen serviceable minutes coming from kenny we're not going to get a lot of offense out of them necessarily but you know we've seen Mac hit a few shots. He's good for a putback or two, and same with Kenny. Um, you know there's, there's, there's opportunities there, but if those guys are legitimately now uh, demanding minutes, I, we can. There's a foreseeable future here where you can see Mick protecting Bona and giving him a little bit of time off the floor where he doesn't pick up some of those those cheap fouls. And still, you know, play effective basketball while he's off the court.
1: I completely agree with that part, but the number can't be less than twenty minutes. Like, I, I, no, I can get no, behind no. foul all trouble. They
0: should all be playing the same same minutes. Yeah, like
1: I, I can get behind foul trouble and all that. But, but Bona does it. It, it just it's such a big difference that it's got to be at least twenty. And and that I think has to be the goal going forward. Our other freshman, Amari Bailey, I thought. You know, still was a little bit lost in this game, but not as nearly like Arizona State. You know, ended up getting six points, had had a, had a few good good runs of those mid-range mid-range shots, rebounded well again, and and defended pretty well, um, also. So a little better from him, but uh, you know, we we hope that he can pick this up a notch even uh, further. That this this three-game stretch was a little bit of a funk, and now we can snap out of it because uh, we're gonna need him now.
0: Are we are we okay to say that David Singleton is back to his normal three-point shooting level? He was five for nine from the three this game. I mean, he was on fire.
1: So this is what I liked about, and I I, I, I got to go back and watch to see if we've already been doing this, but there was a lot more of a green light effect for, for both Dave Singleton, our, our three seniors, Singleton, Hawkes, and Tiger. And the way that we were using the green light was was pretty much all of Singleton's shots were not wide open. You know, T- Tommy Lloyd, after the game, talked about how they, they ran off of him too much. They were not wide open shots. But they were just enough where, you know, Jaime drives his guy towards Singleton. If 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 he if Singleton's man's going to bite just a little bit, he dishes it off. Singleton's ready to shoot, catch and, sh- catch, and fire. And so if you look at it, it seems like some of them might be contested, but really it's just that split second, and that's all he needs because he's that good of a shooter. And especially now with without Jalen Clark potentially moving forward. We don't know yet. But if that's going to be the case, that kind of green light effect, um, in Arizona in this game completely ran off of Jalen Clark. In that first half, uh, it was clank, 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 and they just kept it going until finally he hit one shot. You can't give Dave Singleton that kind of treatment, and, and that that's something that, that's going to change. And, and in this game, both Tiger and Dave, any action that went his way was – pretty simple it's you know dave's man comes to you you give it to him if not you just keep moving and and take a shot and again 67 shot attempts in this game um 62 against asu 67 against arizona that's the kind of stuff that i think you know mick doesn't like the variance he doesn't like having so many shots to where you're depending on shots going in but again i don't think that's the, the the case with ucla i do think we have in general usually we'll have better players than the other team and more variance is usually going to go in our favor. And that's what happened here.
0: It was, it's kind of ironic that we, in this game, we we played more to Arizona's style and more to Arizona's benefit and ended up winning the game. Meanwhile, the game in McHale, where we completely muddied it up, kept it slow and, and sloppy a little to some degree and, and you know, Made it a slow, low possession game. We ended up losing. It's it's kind of funny to to look back at the how that uh, how the the matchups played out this season. Because if you had told me that at the beginning of the season, that's what's going to happen, I would have laughed at you. But here, but here we are. You know, that's yeah. why the games are played.
1: The game at mikhail was kind of like the start of the game, right? I mean, we had good shots. They weren't we going in. Get yeah, yeah, they they were they were, they were clanking. Um, and then you saw, again, I, 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 like you said, ironically, we started playing a little bit more at that pace, but also not with a whole lot of turnovers, and still by winning the rebounding margin. The Cronin math tells us we have 10 more shot, shot attempts. Um, and, and so, again, that's, that's the kind of stuff to where we still, our percentages were not that great. It, it, it feels like we shot great, because Dave shot great, and Jaime shot, shot good. But overall, we shot 40, 42% pretty much, just under 42%. And we only shot 27% from three. We just took 22 of them. But the ones that went in were really impactful. So that's what I think you can expect from UCLA going forward, which is just a lot more attempts. Because a quick shot from Tiger, with the, guy, with the personnel that we have, it's not a bad shot. Because that shot has a better chance of going in than usually, like, a late shot clock attempt from another player. A quicker shot attempt from Dave Singleton on one of those, you know, dish and drive plays is not a bad shot because he's capable of making it, and the ones he makes are going to be really impactful. So I'm I'm thinking that, you know, with, with the change in personnel, that's the, the version of UCL you'll probably see going forward.
0: Yeah, I, I think we need to talk about, you know, the, the Clark injury now, obviously, I you know, we mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, it's
1: time. How- it's time.
0: Well, I, I think obviously let's just start off with saying we don't know what the injury is. I know there's a lot of speculation around what it might be. It obviously didn't look good. It w- it doesn't seem like it's minor. Uh, I was at the game. I I could see I, I the the whole thing happened from where I was sitting. He, he just the way he. Limped off and collapsed into the coach's arms on the sideline, and then you know, kind of sat there, and it was—he was clearly emotional and upset. It doesn't tell you anything that it's good. That being said, like I, I don't think any of us can sit here and speculate what it is. He could be back next game, which I, I highly doubt. He could be out for the season. I, we just don't know. Um, but assuming that it was as bad as you know, his body language and what everyone seemed to, to indicate it it was um, is actually the severity of the injury. I think for the, the purposes of us talking about, you know, kind of the future now, we just are going to assume that he is not going to be playing at least the next game. I think that's fair.
1: Yeah, we will find out eventually what it is. I, I don't think we're going to find out. Anything official from UCLA until after the weekend. Um, that's purely because of seating purposes. UCLA fans are old enough to remember. Will will remember the whole Jordan Adams thing back in 2013, right, when UCLA won the Pac-12 regular season title and then made a run to the Pac-12 tourney final, but Jordan Adams gets hurt on the last play of the game against Arizona in the semifinal game. And on a made three-pointer. On a made three-pointer. The seeding committee then, uh, you know, watches us against Oregon and then punishes us by dropping us an entire seed line to the six. So w- we, we've been through this movie before, and for all those reasons, we're probably not going to get an official award from UCLA. Um, there's already like, you know, the, the talking heads are saying, oh, we got to see how they're playing without Clark. The committee's going to watch how they're playing without Jalen Clark. Um, and and we're, we'll get into seeding and, and the selection committee, but we're not going to win any favors there.
0: No, so, well, but let's let's talk about how we played without Jalen Clark in that second half because we played without Jalen Clark in that second half, and I think that gave gives us a little insight into you know what we might look like. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about the shooting and how we can be a little bit more of an offensive team, but um, let's also get this out of the way. I don't think we're going to be able to ha- plug and play one player to reproduce. Jalen Clark and his production like Jalen Clark is obviously a defensive player of the year national candidate he just brings a lot of those intangibles defensively to the team that I don't think any one person on our team can can replicate but I do think we have other personnel on the team that can chip in to kind of create some and and produce some of the things that Jalen Clark as one player can do. Um, and we saw some of this. We saw Will McClendon actually do a lot of what Jalen Clark kind of does. He, he, he felt almost like Jalen Clark light in this game. The problem with, with Will McClendon is he might be able to do that on the defensive side of things. Like he, he has a knack for getting steals. He has a knack for playing bigger than he is. Uh, he's a tenacious defender. I mean, you see him on the court. Anytime he is in on a guy, he is clapping. He does not want to let them go by him. Like, that is the last thing he will do, is to let somebody go by him. And so you see the heart and you see the the will to defend. The problem is, Jalen Clark has actually been a pretty consistent, I know we've talked about how he needs to be more consistent, but in the grand scheme of things, a fairly consistent offensive player too. I mean, he's... In this game, even in 15 minutes, scored 11. In the game against ASU, he scored 15 on pretty efficient shooting. Will McClendon yeah. is not that, right now, at least.
1: Yeah. We, no one should delude themselves on this fact. Uh, this just got a whole lot harder. Uh, Jalen Clark is probably going to finish top two or three in the National Defensive Player of the Year voting. Um Jalen Clark, for a team like us, who is prone to offensive slumps and shooting slumps, generates so many cheap baskets, uh, deflections, transition baskets. And and in transition, um, Jalen Clark is one of the few players on the team that is trustworthy in transition. Usually always at least draws a foul or gets a layup. And that's not something I think you can even say for someone—I mean— even someone like Jaime Jaquez, you know, we see we see the breakaway dunks, but we also saw some other instances in this last game where if there was a little bit of pressure in transition. Like he's not exactly as comfortable, and Jalen Clark was good at that. So this definitely got a lot harder. The other way way this is really going to hurt is when Jalen Clark was out there. It was when we had him and Amari Bailey. We've talked about this before. That's where we have two very good plus defenders on the wings. That can really just shut things down. And in this game, you know, Will McClendon came in and did some of that dirty work. Dave Singleton did his best at that. But against a team like Arizona, when you can shut down their, you know, their guards, Raimi and Henderson, and, you know, to some extent, Carisa, that's when you can really take away a lot of the perimeter threats and, and it gets really hard to score. So this definitely got a lot harder. Now, with that said, it's not there, impossible. I think there's a lot of
0: doom and gloom. And I get it. Look, uh, I I understand the doom and gloom to some degree, but for me, it's not about the 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 impact on the team necessarily. I I was pretty pretty upset actually after the end of the even after we won. Uh, I was mostly sad, not for again how this impacts our team's performance necessarily. More so for Jalen as a player and as a person. Like, that kid has grinded and worked so hard, again, to get this team to where we're at. He's been improving. You know, he had improved on the offense. That was the big knock against him. He was shooting the three ball a lot better this year. And, and, you know, he was a guy that was working to get his draft prospects up to where he was getting some buzz in draft circles. Um, and for uh, and not only that but you know this run look was looked like you know he was poised to be a big part of another big hopefully deep NCAA tournament run um that could again help buoy his his uh draft stock even further but and that's that's where my heart breaks is for 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 Jalen like it's just it's just it's brutal man like it's not fair um yeah, it's,
1: it, it sucks. We got to see the severity of the injury. I mean, you know, th- there is varying degrees to this. You know, again, maybe, maybe you know, something, some good news comes out and he's not done for the year. You know, may- hopefully. We can only hope. We can only hope, right? And now now the other hope here is that this isn't a, you know, a year-long recovery process and he has to miss all of next season too. Um, so so very so we'll see what happens with Jalen Clark. If, right. we, if we talk now about, how does UCLA replace the production? Um, It's not going to come from one player. Like you said, it's not, there's no plug and play replacement, but I think there are ways to recreate him in the aggregate and take advantage of other skills that we have. Um, We talked about one already, right? Which is just inserting David Singleton into into the lineup. That runoff shooter treatment that Jalen Clark gets will not be given to Dave Singleton. If you scouted UCLA properly, if you haven't, then uh, good luck to you. Um, so from that standpoint, I think there are things offensively it can open up. Now I think some questions to be answered there is Dave Singleton has grown this year into a very good plus defender, but even in this game against Arizona, we saw that if if you if you're patient enough with it and you you have a good enough player on the other side, you can beat him off the dribble and you can get to the basket. So it's not going to be the the Jalen Clark level of defense, but we're going to have to defend much better as a team. So. From this point forward, nobody can play that doesn't know how to defend well as a team, and this is where our boy that we've talked a lot about—we we like him, right? Abramozanka. We want him to play more. I'm not sure he's going to get a, get a run here because without Jalen Clark and his individual, you know, deflections and transition baskets, everyone needs to defend well together. That that can't be taken for granted. So that's there. The other way is to to help replace his impact, right? Because again, I think the biggest difference with Jalen Clark is a team like us that's prone to slumps, he created a lot of cheap baskets. And so how can we get other cheap baskets? I think there are a few things we can do, and, and all of these don't need to happen every game. So so bear with me on this. But I think, number one, Adembona. It, it, can Can he not pick up the cheap fouls and stay on the court a little longer than he usually is? Because... He's someone that can block shots, get us in transition. He gets the foul line a lot himself, and he's getting better at his free throws. So that's an area we can get cheap baskets. Uh, just getting to the foul line period with Tiger and Jaime. Um, these last two games was was the step in the right direction. That's what we've needed. And can we build on that? That's that's a way to continue to get more more cheap points. Um, can we get a plus game out of Amari Bailey? Uh, we we've seen that he can do it. He hasn't been consistent doing it Um, but you know can we get more plus games on 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 both sides of the ball for him because even on defense i would say he's been a very good defender he hasn't been jalen clark level but he has the capability to be at moments he can be so can he get more consistent and then i think the the more obvious one is you know we're going to be playing a lot more will mcclendon because he has jalen clark capabilities i like will mcclendon i think you like will mcclendon he just hasn't been able to, able to capitalize on whatever shooting performance he's apparently having in practice and such. And from here on out, again, anybody that scouts UCLA at any level is probably going to completely run off of him. And he's, he's going to need to play a lot because he's, he, he does provide a lot of energy and steals and deflections that this team is dependent on. So if he's on the floor and he's wide open, even if he misses, he has to shoot because the other team needs to know he will shoot and between him and Dylan Andrews if there's a game where one of them can pitch in that you know anywhere from 6 to 10 points that would be a huge plus now i talked to, through four things there right between bona bailey the the two uh, bench players and the foul line all four of those are not going to happen in every game but i think we can have a couple of them happen and that and that's what happened against arizona right we well, had we,
0: yeah, I, I think I think the one thing that needs to happen every game, and you, you touched on this a little bit, is the team defense concept. Uh, I, we saw that happen against Arizona. Like, everybody worked their asses off on defense. They kept to their assignments. We saw, you know, you mentioned Mac Etienne actually getting those hedges and getting back on time. Like, they executed, for the most part, to perfection on defense in the second half as a team and that's what we need to see almost every game. Now, offensively and some of those other things that we you just laid out, we I would say we need to do like two of those things every game. I agree. Whichever combination of of those that happen, we can do two of those things, like we will always have a good shot of winning a game. Uh, it's 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 not going to be as easy, but I I think people are are forgetting we we have we still have a National Player of the Year candidate on the team. We still have Tiger Campbell, who is one of the, if not the best point guards in the country on the team. We have a lot of firepower here that we can kind of with weather the storm. And yeah, some of these other guys need to step up and, and play bigger roles than they might be used to, but I I think we can do it. And it goes back to something you said earlier, Kevin, was the team culture. Like, Mick Cronin has built this culture to be next man up, like, let's step up and go. And this isn't the first time we've seen it happen with with, a Mick Cronin team at UCLA. I mean, the Final Four uh, year, if you don't remember, Chris Smith went down, and Chris Smith was supposed to be our best guy on the team that season. He went down basically before the season started, if not like the first game of the season, and other guys stepped up. Now, this is obviously now a much tighter time frame. We're not talking about you know having a whole season to kind of build and tinker and, and do uh, some experimental work to see what works and what doesn't. But I think we have seen enough from a lot of our guys to know what we can get out of them and where we can have them improve. Um, and I think that goes into kind of our, our next segment of the show today is kind of, what do we need to see out of this team in the PAC 12 tournament, both from a team ability, chemistry scheme, you know, system perspective with, you know, Jalen Clark potentially not playing, uh, in the PAC 12 tournament and beyond. Again, we don't know yet, but let's assume that at least for the PAC 12 tournament, What do we need to see from that side? And then what do we need to do to get that one seed? Because I know if you look at a lot of the projections, we are now kind of teetering on that one seed. You know, Joe Lonardi has put us as the one seed in the West. A lot of people are now saying we have, you know, a grasp of a one seed. We just need to kind of win out or do something further in the Pac-12 tournament to kind of affirm that grasp. So there's really two things we need to kind of accomplish at this weekend.
1: Yeah, so if we want to talk about seeding first, uh, I think if the tournament started today, we would get that one seed. Uh, I, I think enough momentum is on our side to where we would get that one seed. And the the margins are slim. Um, again, there's so many ways you can look at seeding, right? Uh, a team like Houston has four quad one wins. We have seven teetering on eight depending on you know how some of the the net rankings shake out here and houston's best win is against virginia ours is against arizona so again uh if if we're going purely on resumes we should be there but but houston has gotten the love from the metrics and such and they're they're going to be there as Um, have we though yeah as have we but but again this is where we're not going to get any favors right The the narrative is different the narrative is different and and Purdue, if you look resume to resume, I would say they have a slightly better resume than us, because uh, they've beaten Marquette uh, at home, they've beaten Gonzaga on a neutral court, and then they've also beaten um, a bunch of Big Ten teams. I mean, they did lose at Maryland, but they beat Maryland at home, so I would say they, they have a slightly better resume than us, but, but on recent form, which is how seating is supposed to work, they've lost four of six. And, and the metrics we have don't look it. as great, and the metrics aren't as good. So in that sense, you know we 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 should be higher. Um, now, this is where I think you gotta look at if you would ask me in a vacuum, I would say this weekend is all about let's just let's stay healthy, let's get guys sharp, let's get ready for the tournament. I mean, the conference tournaments otherwise are are really just a dance exercise uh, to get ready for the real tournament but now you think about and this is where mick cronin's whole quote-unquote conspiracy theory stuff i think do come to life a little bit because this election committee is not going to give us any favors they're not going to give us the benefit of doubt for anything um and how how, how would that manifest itself right so so let's look at who's on the selection committee most people know about dave hicky from arizona right so he replaced martin jarman that's what prompted mixed comments so that part is there Uh, But some other members uh, on this selection committee, you got conference commissioners from a lot of the lower major conferences. I'm not going to read their names. Um, But then, hey, you also got Jamie Pollard from Iowa State. You have Mark Coyle from Minnesota. You have Greg Byrne from Alabama. Now, why are those all important? Well, someone has to set the agenda here of what is important in terms of criteria for seeding. And you have two teams here uh, in Arizona and Alabama who are trying to fight for those top two seed lines, and they're going to try to set whatever narrative fits them. And you have another AD, uh, Jamie Pollard from Iowa State. Iowa State is a team that has a lot of good wins because they play in the Big 12, and you pretty much every week play a good team over there. So if you win any games, you're, you have a lot of good wins. Um, but their record is 18-12. and 12. So what's the agenda that he would want to set? Well, he would also want to say, hey, we need the most quad quad one wins are going to be everything in this selection committee. And so that's kind of how you can see an agenda getting set. And then you tack on the fact that some of these guys are probably going to be looking for reasons to bump other schools, right? And so, uh, again, we go back to the injury thing. Jalen Clark not playing for UCLA. To this committee besides Dave Hickey, who's the only one who's been watching UCLA all year, they're going to go and say, oh, well, these, this Pac-12 tournament's the only time that they haven't played with Jalen Clark all, all year. They're really important games. Without realizing that, I mean, Jalen Clark didn't play a lot of this game against Arizona, and we we pre- controlled the game pretty much the entire time. But but no one knows that. And so I, all, all this to say this, um, there's probably very likely going to be an agenda set that, you need to win a lot of big games. And someone's probably going to set set something in there that head-to-head record needs to matter because Alabama has some good head-to-head wins against some of these teams here, uh, and as well as Arizona. So, you know, head-to-head needs to matter. Quad one needs to matter. And let's watch teams for injuries. So this is where all the conspiracy theories kind of come to life. We're not going to get any favors from this election committee. And because of all that, I think that even with all those things in mind, the most important thing is to get sharp, get ready for the tournament. And I think the the, the the thing now is the best way to do that is to get as many more games where we can get these bench guys, or now where we're formerly, formerly bench guys, as many minutes as possible to get them comfortable. And let's see if we can make a run and hopefully try to win this conference tournament. Um, if we win it, that would be great. For me, I think there are two outcomes i would be okay with i would be okay with losing in the semifinal and i would be okay with winning the tournament i would not be okay with losing in the final to arizona again because again we talked we just i spent a whole discourse on agenda that's going to be set here in the selection committee um we lose to arizona again i think there's a great chance that someone's going to say that head-to-head matters and then, even though we have a 20 game body of work playing the same exact opponents as Arizona, um, and we won the conference by four games, uh, that head to head record is going to come back and bite us to where, you know we'll we'll be shipped off maybe to south or or something like that. So yeah, it, it's 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 a big week, but again, the the most important thing is, can we get some extended minutes for the likes of Dylan Andrews, Will McClendon? Can we get Amari Bailey a big role this week? canyon dembona tries to stay on the freaking floor for a little bit longer that's the kind of stuff i think we're, we're really looking for
0: no i think that that's all accurate i i i totally agree with you we cannot we can't afford to lose to arizona again like plain and simple so if we get to the final and they are in the final which you know they if you look at the the bracket I don't I, know I would, who's they, give them any trouble. Yeah, they're, there.
1: they're, they're going to the final. I, I don't know who can give Arizona a game besides Arizona being themselves.
0: Now, to be fair, we've seen crazy stuff happen in the Pac 12 tournament before. Teams get hot, teams get desperate. Like, there are some teams in in the Pac 12. I mean, Oregon State a couple of years ago so during our final four year. You, know, you see them go wild in the Pac-12 tournament and get, get into the big dance and make a run. So you, it's, it's not out of the question somebody could beat Arizona, but the likelihood of that is, is pretty slim. Um, so UCLA, on the other hand, like, you know, look, we should win our first game against Colorado or Washington, especially if Colorado. Oh, you're right. We, we better win that game. Now, if we get into the the semifinal, assuming we do, and assuming we play someone like Oregon, Oregon's another team that is desperate. Like, they are squarely on the bubble, kind of on the outside looking in right now, but that's a marquee win that they could get, and we know that those guys are, are capable of beating us. You, They have the type of personnel that gives UCLA trouble right now. Um, oh. So, If we lose to them, I don't think it's the end of the world. But if we do beat them and we do face Arizona, we absolutely need to win that game. And it's going to be a tough game. Like, uh, playing Arizona in Vegas is never fun. It's just we don't, for whatever reason, get enough fans out to Arizona for those games. We always, we've talked about this a lot. But I'm convinced we're cursed in Arizona. Or, sorry, in, in Vegas. Uh, at the T-Mobile Arena, so there's that factor I'm convinced of. And, yeah, it's just Vegas often doesn't treat us well when we play tournaments. So there's a lot of factors here at play, but we, but if we do get to the final against Arizona, we absolutely need to win. Um, we didn't mention this, again, uh, in terms of crowd, but I just want to rewind real quick back to uh, the game against Arizona in Poly Pavilion. Good job, fans, for showing up finally, because that was an electric atmosphere. It was awesome to see Polly, you know, sold out, full, loud, fans engaged, cheers going, chants going. Uh, Mick Cronin said this in one of his post-game pressers. But every game needs to be like that when you're the number four team in the country, and I hope that that enthusiasm and those crowds now travel with us to Vegas and beyond if we are indeed in the west regional I, we got to get people out to those games and create a better home field advantage for us because it absolutely helps and um it just makes it more fun
1: yeah well let's see how the vegas curse lives on because remember last year we did make a run to the final we did lose to arizona but that was a bit pretty different arizona team but shot pretty well against USC. We shot decently well against Washington State the game before that. And then against Arizona, we ended up with 76 points um in that game. So let's see how the curse, Vegas curse lives on here. If we are indeed going to be playing in this gym in in a regional setting, should we win the first two games of the tournament? Then then yeah, let's 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 get the the practice up. But but but, but more or less, I think this is all about let's get our rotations right. If we do win this conference tournament, I want it to be on the back of playing our entire rotation and everyone kind everyone excels in those roles. Not because Jaime or Tiger went and saved the day, because we, we know they can do that. That's what I think was so great about the Arizona win this time, because yes, you, your three seniors, they all kind of stepped up and had great games, but everyone played well around them, including Jalen Clark in, in the limited minutes that he had. But Will McClendon was, was really good and functional in his minutes. Dylan Andrews was functional in his minutes um you know well these games the the mac attack you're right the mac attack so these these games now in vegas at least would like to play two of them but if we can play three you know can we get bailey a a a big role get his confidence going for the tournament can we get will and dylan going for the tournament that's the stuff that i want to see in 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 this conference tourney played because again Hopefully we can win the conference tournament, and we all, we all want to win it. And I know you, we know that Jaime and Tiger want to win it. They've talked about it pretty publicly. But at the end of the day, you know, you you do this. Mick talked about this after the game, uh, in the, in the post game presser. You can win these games and win the conference tournament. And two weeks from now, uh, two weeks from now, the date will be March the twentieth. If we're not talking about a Sweet Sixteen matchup on that day, then ultimately the season's going to feel feel like a failure. So that's what this is really about um, you know, getting ready for that tournament?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, um, it's kind of a practice or a trial run, right? And, and we need to, to take advantage of it, uh, going, going into the, the big dance, I think. And I, I think we, we have the staff and the, the understanding to do so. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it. Can we also just briefly talk about how incompetent the Pac-12 is for scheduling the number one seed at noon on Thursday?
1: Yeah, you know, because we, we were talking about this earlier in the day about how stupid that was, and, and I, I thought that it just might be them giving us a bit of a fuck you. But, yeah, Isaiah pointed this out to us. Like, they, they set this stuff at the beginning of the year, so just that's giving them too much credit. They just were that stupid. Like.
0: Why? <laughs> like I, yeah, I can't. I can't think of any sort of reasonable explanation for th- this. The schedule, like it makes perfect sense to put the number one seat at like six. Of the six o'clock slot, people will be at home from work. They can watch the games. People might be more likely to travel to the games if it's you know after work or whatever it is. You you get national exposure exposure for your your teams. You know, getting seated for the tournament. Like, there's so many advantages of putting your premier programs, premier teams that are the one spot at that time. But we're playing at noon for some reason where most people are going to be at work or working or doing whatever in their normal daily lives. And it just makes it so much more difficult to actually watch and get people out there. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, small sidebar here, but the PAC 12 is truly screwed. Um, Rumors are that Utah is going to leave the conference this week and either one of Arizona state or Colorado or someone else is probably going to leave with them. And I think it's a rumor they're, they're all going to the big 12. Um, And their media negotiations deal right now is it's a complete mess because the big 12 set the market early on in the process here. They took a little bit less money, but they set the market there and the PAC 12, um, you know, Couple of big, big mistakes from Larry Scott with the Pac-12 Network has taught the world this. Um, you know, they 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 were hoping that some streaming giant was going to give them a ton of money, but Amazon with the NFL didn't get the returns that they wanted, and that was the NFL, which is what this country just shuts down for. And the proof is in the pudding with the things like the Pac-12 Network that literally not enough people give a shit to like call Directv or AT and T and make sure that they carry your channels. So the streaming giants out there aren't really willing to pay what the Pac-12 was hoping they would be willing to pay for a tier three level rights or tier two level rights. And so, yeah, this is going to be the the media negotiations a mess. Uh, It it may not even be enough to run, you know, high major programs for a power five level league for a lot of these schools for an athletic department. So what we see of the Pac-12 in two years, um, maybe there'll be a name called Pac and something, some number. But it's not gonna be any of these schools that you recognize. It's gonna be like a mid major league.
0: It's kind of sad on one hand to to see the Pac twelve. Obviously, all of our history and, and there's it there's is little, sad. It's really yeah. sad. On the other hand, how funny would it be if Utah and like Arizona State bounced, leaving Arizona behind to like fend for themselves in whatever shithole dying Pac twelve? Is left behind because let's be yeah. honest, you Dub and Oregon, they'll go to the Big Ten at some point. I think even if it's for pennies on the dollar, it will still be better than the Pac-12. Um, and so who takes a t- a, a, a school like Arizona, or even God forbid a school like Cal, right? Like,
1: yeah, Cal can go to D three.
0: Stanford and... couldn't be bothered because i don't know what they're doing over there they don't even believe in nil or whatever the weird shit they they do but anyways
1: yeah arizona is the one school i will not feel sorry for uh i'm with you on that and the rest of it i do feel a little bad for you know i I mean i thought about this uh, a little bit this week but you know it's what we needed to do we needed to leave this conference it 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 was a shithole it needed to happen But it is going to be tough in a few years when you realize that, you know, hey, one week we got to fly for four hours and then the next week we're going to be playing at home. Um, Think about a conference basketball schedule like, yeah, I mean, planes are there and whatnot, but it's unfortunate to come to this because, uh, you know, traditional collegiate athletics with a strong West Coast Conference, a strong Midwest Conference, a strong East Coast Conference, Southern Conference, so on and so forth. Was what made a lot of things fun by making it regional, and this is essentially moving towards a professional model where you have two big conferences with a lot of teams and it's going to be weird in, in a few years, but hey, it's what you say I needed to do
0: uh, I, at the end of the day, I somehow blame Texas and Larry Scott for not figuring it out ten years ago so yeah,
1: we'll That's have a long time sense. to talk about this, but uh, yeah. you know th- when when, when, when the when, when, when the book of the Pac-12 is written, it'll go back to the fact that Larry Scott didn't realize that there are those who require greater attention because they bring in that they pay the bills, and those who don't. And Texas was one of them. They wanted a Longhorn network, not a Pac-12 network. And uh, yeah, that was that.
0: Well, that is a that is a different story, but yeah, I think you know going into this week going into Thursday, I think we've kind of talked about what we need to do. Um, hopefully we see Mick and the team figure out how to play with what we're assuming will be a Jalen Clarkless team. I don't think all is lost regardless of um, Jalen's status. I think we've talked through like there's a lot of scenarios, a lot of options that we have to kind of help replace some of that production. And and still succeed. I think we, we have the personnel, we have the depth to weather the storm. Now it becomes exponentially harder, for sure. But the good news is the, the, the March Madness field this season does not have any singular dominant team. I think you can look at everybody, starting with even the one seeds from top to bottom, and really recognize and visualize a lot of weaknesses in most teams, including ours. Not saying we're we're the odds on favor or anything, but even without Jalen, I, I think we can still make a run here. I, I don't think the expectations should um, be diminished if Jalen Clark is out. I, I do think there's a lot of doom and gloom amongst the UCLA community because of that injury, and, and I get it for all the reasons we talked about, but those are the reasons we should be sad if he is truly out, not because it... it um, completely, you know, kills our chances of making deep run. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Um,
1: yeah, it lowers the margin for error. But again, we've talked through it now that there are things we can do to make up for it in the aggregate. A couple of things are just non-negotiable now. One, the number one thing I would say is team defense from everyone that's out there. Everyone's got to defend. Everyone's got to rebound no matter what when you're on the court. That includes Tiger Campbell, who has been varying in that um and the second thing is for our 3 seniors you know one of them has got to be great the other's got to be at least in a supporting level of every game um at least in the bigger games and then from there the other you know things that we got talked about got to happen so the margin for error is less is it possible yes uh we do have the personnel um to do it if we if we are you know the number 2 team in the country as we are now uh ranked uh we will we will find a way and so you know we'll 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 see how it all goes Speaking of which, um, you know, usually I'm not one to talk about AP rankings and, and all that stuff, but I thought it was a good moment today to sit back and reflect. You know, we, we have been pretty high in the AP poll over the years, even in this terrible run for UCLA basketball. You think back to the Lonzo Ball year, we were number two for a period. Um, last season, we started off preseason uh, number four and went to number two, uh, or it was a preseason number two, actually. We were, right? Um so we we've been real high at, at, at spots, but this this one was different, I think, because we finished the year as uh, the number two team in the country at the at the at the end of the regular season, and that I do think is something to be to to be proud of. And 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 look, we're we're talking about a tournament run, and yes, the tournament is what is what matters at the end of the day. You know, again, if in three weeks we don't have a podcast that's uh, talking about previewing previewing a matchup, we're going to be really freaking mad and disappointed and that's how it should be because that's college basketball but let's take a moment to to just appreciate this uh you know we're again the number two team in the country right now we're fighting for a one seed we have a chance to do it this weekend and no matter where this all shakes out we're going to be a top two seed uh at, you know, no matter what now and it's been an elite year and we followed up a final four run with two very solid slash elite years that have shown that that wasn't a fluke and that this is this thing has some staying power and you know, for all the dark years and such we had, um, you know, and, and this is so much what Tiger and, and Dave and, and Jaime were alluding to after the game, both the ASU and the Arizona game. Um, this thing has come a long way, and it's restored the pride in, in the four letters, and it, it makes us all proud to watch.
0: The sustainability, I think, has been proven at this point. Um, and I think that's what made this senior night specifically really tough. You know, there's been plenty of other senior nights I've been to and we've probably both been to and, and seen guys graduate. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of great players and great Bruins that have come through. Um, but, you know, seeing a guy like Jaime Jaquez play his last game in poly Pavilion, um, seeing a guy like David Singleton play like his last game in poly Pavilion, even Russell Stong, you know, for as a walk-on it takes a lot of time and commitment to be a guy who shows up to practice every single day and, you know, helps the team get better. And, and even Tiger and, and obviously not even Tiger Campbell, you know, come back from injury and, and become, you know, one of the leaders on this team. Uh, It's, it's been actually like a true joy to watch these guys play and develop themselves you know watch them kind of grow as 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 kids into like full-grown adults now i mean you look at photos of highman tiger from their first year it's really funny they look like children and now you know they look like full-grown dudes um but i i think just the their hard work their dedication um and their their blood sweat and tears has really helped Restore the sheen back to UCLA basketball in the the most sustainable way. I think these guys are going to be are responsible for helping lay that foundation and culture for many years to come. As long as Mick Cronin is coach here, um, and I just want to say thank you to these guys. Like they they made it fun to be a UCLA fan again, um, and they're probably three or four of my my favorite Bruins of all time. Watching in the last. 25 30 years of, of watching this team so uh yeah it's just it's it is bittersweet to to kind of start thinking about a post Jaime as UCLA it, it, it does feel sad but just did, did want to shout that out to them um doubt they listen but you know I see Jaime's dad retweeting at us once in a while so um uh, maybe maybe the parents will get, get the message, but either way uh, you know, it is an accomplishment to see what they've built and hopefully the sustainability keeps on going uh, we're, we're I think set up for, for many many more runs regardless of who's on the team as long as Mick Cronin stays true to this culture and keeps building it up um, and, and in that vein, I think we had some big recruits at this game, last game against Arizona I think Marcus Adams big time recruit out of, um, the Los Angeles area was there and and it sounds like, uh, we might be getting some good news tomorrow, the seventh, uh, on, on Adams, fingers crossed. So again, the, this just goes back to the sustainability of this program right now. And we're getting guys and players buying into Mick Cronin's, uh, philosophy and system. And, um, Again, it was a lot of that was established by the hard work of the current seniors, and so hopefully we can send them out with something tangible uh, to hang up at the end of this season. Uh, if not for the fans, for them especially, because these guys deserve it.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll 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 be rooting for that. Uh, yep, you, you alluded to Marcus Adams' uh, news tomorrow. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about our recruiting efforts, and you know potential areas for concern and whatnot with the the big time prospects but if we do get good news tomorrow and you know we shouldn't jinx this because we had a similar conversation about andre Storyakovich and some others but if we do get some good news tomorrow again this is the kind of player that i think fits the profile of what we want right it's an la kid um not necessarily a kid that is a one and done just yet but past pro potential and Fits kind of the height weight profile that we're looking for too, and we add him into what would then become a four man class if he if he were to qualify for the you know the year of twenty twenty three. That that that'd be really solid. So, yeah, I mean, two 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 really good seasons. Hopefully, we can close this out with a conference title, a conference tournament title, and hey, why not a national title? And we can keep this thing going 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 moving forward. But for right now, uh, all I is go, go to this week.
0: Go to this week. Let's get through this this tournament. Um, hopefully collect a Pac-12 uh, tournament championship along the way and uh, move on to even bigger, better things uh, af- the week after. Um, but yeah, we will be back next week after the Pac-12 tournament uh, after Selection Sunday and uh, we'll be, be there with a preview of the big dance it is uh, it is that time of year again it is exciting
1: we will finally know we will finally have all the answers
0: yeah and then we can uh we can be mad or happy or fight with joe Lenardi and and the the rest of the committee and i'm sure seth davis will say some dumb shit but until until next sunday um you know let's just enjoy enjoy the final few games of the of the pat 12 and uh yeah, we'll be back after Selection Sunday with a preview of the tournament and what we what we hope to see out of UCLA uh, going forward. But yeah, with that, um, I think that's that's all we have this weekend or this week. Almost said this weekend. I don't know why it's Monday. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter, retweet us, send us questions, feedback, and please share with your friends if you enjoy listening to us. And as always, go Bruins.